Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And good morning, Birds fans. I'm not sure if you can call us the new Mac and Mac anymore, seeing as the this is the old four, Mac and Mac still exists. Yeah, <laughs> and number one, the age of the participants, and number two, this is the 436th episode of Birds 365. So I don't know if we're the new Mac and Mac anymore, yeah. but we are surely Mac and Mac. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. J Mac, how you feeling this morning? Uh, happy Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Is well, it? Are you, you sure know, about that? Nah. Well, I, you know, well, I assume you're talking about the injuries. I, I kind of knew where we were with the injuries. So that, that part of it didn't surprise me, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a game tonight and that, that part means something to the Eagles, you know, that could make things much easier for the Eagles, but Tennessee isn't going to play the game. So that's not going to help. So, yeah. Um, it's about a middling Thursday. How's that? Middling, more like it. Uh, you're right. That I was referring to Eagles injuries. We know, well, we actually got quasi good news with Lane Johnson yesterday that uh, it came out officially he's not going to have surgery. Apparently, surgery was an option. And if that were the case, he would probably be done for the entire season playoff run and all he is going to gut it out try and play through the pain that he's in take the two weeks of rest hopefully three weeks of rest uh with the Eagles get a bye for the lead into the first round of the playoffs um but he is a tough guy who is going to shoulder on and not, not get surgery done that seemed to be the way he was leaning when a report came out immediately after the game that 
he's going to miss two weeks. We knew if he was going to have to have surgery on his abdomen, then that was going to be a lengthy uh, recovery time. So not a great surprise. This just kind of confirms uh, what most people believed about uh, his injury status. Now, I was referring to the two guys that you were hopeful were going to be participants in yesterday's walkthrough. Not a full-blown practice, just a walkthrough. And neither Jalen Hurts or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson took part in that workout. Uh, I am not going to make a definitive statement here, but would you be would, would you say it'd be fair to say both are doubtful as of yesterday's status for practice? Uh, yeah, I mean, Chauncey, no question. I mean, yeah, if, if there were any chance that they were thinking about bringing him back, uh, they would have activated his practice window. So what that tells me about uh, – CJ is that uh, it's more about the postseason than the final two games. Um, I did see him in the locker room yesterday. You know, seems fine. Was very happy, joking around with his teammates, giving out Christmas presents with his fellow secondary members. Uh, didn't want to talk to reporters. There were a bunch of us trying to get some information, but uh, pretty clear indication that you know they're looking at the postseason. Uh, for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, so that one is, you know, there's no way he's playing this week. I mean, with, with Jalen, Nick keeps playing this game, and he said the same thing last week, and our buddy Mike Sealski <laughs> asked him the question. You know, they had a little back and forth. It was affable, but it was a, a, a combative as Nick gets. And, and Mike kind of threw the question because he keeps talking about his healing powers of, you know, and my guess was he a superhero? What do you mean? And, uh, you know, he he didn't take that great. But it, it was all in good fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't expect him to play. I've never expected him to play. So I guess from my personal standpoint, it's not surprising. Um, and, and they keep playing this game, and we'll see how long they play it this week. But if he's not out there for a walkthrough – I mean, what is he magically going to show up for today's practice? I guess, you know, today will be the demarcation line, the official demarcation line. Look, if he's not out at practice today, he's not playing. Right. Um, and I don't expect him to be at practice. And But maybe he is a superhero. Maybe he's out there. I, I From my perspective, if you can't, if you can't participate in the walkthrough, why would you be able to participate in practice 24 hours later? So, right. Unless yeah. there's some voodoo healer that's coming into Philly and he had a late Well, he flight is a superhero. And stuff. he didn't touch down or his superhero compadre or whoever's going to help boost his powers of healing. And oh, by the way, Silski was well within his rights. To, oh, to yeah. That, I'm not blaming Mike at all. That, of course he's well within his rights. I mean, it's silly. Um you know, Jalen, it's much like Lane. I think the proper way to, to phrase it is Jalen's a very tough player. Uh, and I'll try and it'll usually get back quicker than most people. Same thing with Lane. You mentioned, oh, he's getting surgery. He's just not getting surgery now. Right. He's trying to play through it until after the, the, the run is over. Extremely tough guy. Same thing with Jalen. That's probably the better framework to do it. Yeah, Mike, Mike asked. There's nothing wrong with what Mike did um, whatsoever. And it is kind of silly that um, Nick is phrasing it the way he is phrasing it. 
I would have went down the tough route like he did with Lane Johnson. Same thing. Um, but, you know, I, I never expected him to play in this game. So I guess from a personal standpoint, it's not all that surprising. To me. Maybe I bought into his healing powers suggestions that uh, Jalen was going to make uh, some kind of miraculous recovery. Uh, and that's why it bothers me that he wasn't even out there yesterday. Because here's the difference. Like when Lane Johnson went down, they had to come out onto the field. They had to help him off the field. He missed time, was done for the rest of the game. So if he's gutting it through and going to suck it up and get done in two weeks, that's an injury we all saw with our own two eyes. While we all saw Jalen Hurts get hurt in the game against the Bears, oh, by the way, he continued to play. And oh, by the way, he continued to play well and helped them salt the way of victory in Chicago. (laughs) Played better. You could make the argument he did play better. So where when when does the healing powers kick in? When does the superpower well, take uh, place? Yeah. He's not able to overcome an injury that he played through. This has nothing to do with healings. This has a, all, everything to do with ego precaution. That they don't want to risk him uh, re-injuring himself. This is them uh, trying to come up with a timeline so that he is uh, where he can be when the playoffs start. This isn't Jalen's decision or Jalen uh, pulling miraculous healing things out of his back pocket. Not it's all about Eagles, and and now they're deciding to manage uh, an injured player. Um, uh, well, the framework is bad. Like I said, you you bring up Jalen played through it in Chicago, and there's adrenaline and all that stuff, and um, and he actually, from my perspective, played a little bit better. Um. And he got it through it. And that's why I said he should have went down the tough guy route, the Lane Johnson route. He, you know, Jalen got it through it, but he's, but he's injured. So, but from your framework, and, and that's where Nick is, you know, he's selling people a bill of goods with the heels faster than other people. I mean, he's a human being. This is very similar to Dallas Goddard. Uh, and I'm not talking about shoulders. Because Dallas felt fine, like two weeks after his injury. But he, he broke a bone, the glenoid bone in his shoulder, a very small bone, and it needs time to heal. You feel fine. He thought he could play. He thought he shouldn't have been on injured reserve. He thought he should have been back by the third game or whatever because he felt fine. But the, the, the healing of the bone needs a certain amount of time. And in and, and the similar case with this injury, if it's grade two, which I think it is from the description um, I got, it seems like grade two, very similar. It needs time to heal. If Jalen feels fine, I see him. Uh, people saw him on the sidelines. He traveled to Dallas. He seems fine. He probably feels fine. He probably feels like he can play. But this is an injury. An SC joint is more complicated than AC joint. This is an injury that if you go back, you're more susceptible to breaking the collarbone if you don't let it heal properly. And that would be the absolute disaster, right? If he comes back and breaks his collarbone, then he might be done for the season. Um, So it it needs time to heal. Um, And I think that's where – now, if it's grade one – which I can't tell you definitively it's grade two, 
I'm just speculating on the information I've been given and the description when you read it. And I talked to a, a doctor and, and gave him the description. He said, sounds like grade two, but you know, he doesn't get the um, uh, examine Jalen Hurts. So that's sort of the disconnect. Is it grade one? Then he could potentially play. If he's grade two, not going to be back probably until the playoffs. You know, that third week, it said two to three weeks basically is the time it needs to heal. So you'd be right on the cusp against the Giants. So if you need the game, I think that's a more interesting uh, conversation. Ultimately, the Eagles probably shouldn't need the game, so they won't have to make that difficult decision. But we'll see. We'll see how that part of it shakes out. Here was my wacky outside-the-box thinking that I came up with after we did Birds 365 when I was talking Eagles football on WIP yesterday. Um, grade one, grade two, how much of it is just precaution if Jalen says he can play? And it is certainly, at least as per the coach, the healing has commenced. He is the most tremendous healer on the face of the planet. So he's got to be better than he was when he left Chicago. But there's that gray area of how much can he get re-injured if he plays. I'm not saying he should play. But I'm saying he should dress. That for the game against the Saints on Saturday, Jalen Hurts is the backup quarterback. Ain't happening. We went through this. Ain't happening. It'd be dressed. He plays. He's the starting quarterback. Ain't happening. If there's one thing I can tell you with a hundred, and I can tell you with a number that doesn't exist, Jody, 150%, which is not a real number, that ain't happening. That's never happening. If he's dressing, he's playing. That, 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 that's, that is there's no wiggle room to that. None. What is the what is the downside to him dressing and sitting on the bench? The downside is the 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 effect. You know how fans run with stuff. You know how certain media people who aren't responsible run with stuff. I'll even blame some of my own. You know how things take off and very very quickly to the point of absurdity. Um and, and you could say, and you can, I can snicker at it and, and often do, but you don't want to open that Pandora's box. You don't want to open it at all. There were already people. I saw somebody, and I'm not going to out people. I saw somebody upset that Nick Sirianni, after the game, disrespected Gardner Minshew by saying, when Jalen's ready, he's going to play. That's how stupid this stuff can be and, and, and take off on the life of their own. Starting quarterback, the Eagles starting quarterback, the face of the franchise, if he's dressed, he's playing, and he's, he's the number one quarterback. Yeah, I, if I were Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman, the Eagles, anybody else, I'm not running in fear of idiotic journalism. Sorry, I'm just not. Uh, I'm going to do what's best for my organization. Now, I don't think it's going to happen just because the percentage of it playing out perfectly is so small and you should play percentages. But it does make sense to me that you, if Jalen Hurts can go, you have a fear that he could go in and potentially re-injure himself. You need this game. 
you need to beat the Saints this week. You don't want to go from having three games right. Well, and let's factor the Vikings and the Cowboys in here. Um, They don't need this game. Prior to Sunday's game, the Eagles needed one win. One out of their last three games. Or a Cowboy loss or a Viking loss. So the games were played last week and, oh, the Vikings won. And, oh, the Cowboys won. So now we've narrowed it down to where the Eagles can get that last potential win and lock up home field advantage. So the, the 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 pressure is starting to build. I'll still say the pressure is light, but it's starting to build. You don't want to get down to that last week where you have to play a must win uh, against the Giants to get. You talk about the way that the media can run rampant. Uh, and just uh, over. Well, and by the way, I don't. If the Eagles somehow lose these last three games and go from a virtual lock to be the number one seed to having play in the first round on the road as the five seed, it will be a collapse of epic proportions. And if I'm a member of the media who's overstating it, I don't think I am. Epic proportions. You don't want to go down even the possibility of that road. So you give yourself this great safety net. If Gardner Minshew goes in there and plays like the guy that you just said, oh, how do you disrespect Gardner Minshew by saying Jalen's back in there? Idiot. Um, But uh, I don't care about that person's opinion. If Gardner Minshew struggles, despite the belief that that person may have thought Gardner Minshew is the second coming, if he struggles and you're losing the game, 13-10 with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And superhero Jalen Hurts can come off the bench and lead them down the field after uh, non-superhero Gardner Minshew couldn't put up more than 10 points against the same defense for the first three quarters. Save the season, Jalen. Go ahead, big guy. And we'll take our chances. You don't get hurt in the 20 snaps you got to take in the fourth quarter. If he's healthy enough to play, he's playing. That's all it comes down to for the Eagles. If he's healthy enough to play, he's playing. He's playing the whole game. He's playing. There's no scenario where he's healthy enough to play 20 snaps, but he's not healthy enough to play the whole game. If that's the scenario, he's not healthy enough to play. Uh, th- that From their perspective, there's a, too much of a case of this is an MVP candidate. He's not going to win it now because of this injury, which is kind of silly. Not that he should win it, but he – He's he's fallen off a cliff, which is silly, Um, uh, but that's another discussion. There is no scenario where he's healthy enough to play 15, 20 snaps to save a season and 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 he's not healthy to play the whole game Um, that that is that will not even be in the conversation for the Eagles if he's dressed, if he's healthy, he's the starting quarterback, he's playing and they're not fearful of a more significant injury. If they're fearful of a more significant injury, whether you increase the odds with more snaps or or decrease the odds with less snaps, he's still at risk for injury, and you don't want to ruin the whole season. You still have Week 18, and and, and in the disastrous scenario you paint, the Vikings win, the Cowboys, who probably will win, and the Eagles lose, and, and everything comes down to week 18, you still have week 18. The Vikings still have to win again. Dallas still has to win again against Carson Wentz, by the way, which is interesting. Um, and, and the Eagles are a better football team 
with Jalen Hurts, and and again, that would be right on the cusp, than the New York Giants. So there's no need to panic and, and push out the most important player of your team. And 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 by the way, I I I'm going to guarantee you're not allowed to do this. But I, I'm a media guy. I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not a player. I don't have to look ahead. I don't have to uh, uh, follow Nick Sirianni's rules. The Eagles will clinch the NFC East and the number one seed this weekend. The Vikings are going to lose in Green Bay. Dome team going to Green Bay in January. They're going to lose, number one. Dallas is probably going to win because Tennessee's not going to play. And the Saints stink. I'm sorry, the Saints stink. We'll see about this. I'm just trying to give the Eagles a safety net, just in case. But I'll I'll, I'll just say, and if I'm foreshadowing, I'll apologize on Monday here on Birds 365. If Ian Book is playing in the fourth quarter of the game against the Saints, because Gardner Minshew goes down, just remember, Jody Mack suggested maybe having Jalen Hurts as a safety net was a good idea. That's that's all I'm saying. Ian Book to the rescue against his former mates. We shall see. All right, he's Mac on Mac. That's Mac on Mac on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. We will be joined a special Thursday gathering with our pal Mike Gill from down the shore. Uh, we get Mike up every single week this week and day late, but not a dollar short. Mike Gill from the Sports Bash ESPN uh, 19. 7.3 down to shore joins us next here on birds 365 go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask. 
including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Appreciate you being part of Birds 365. You're on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. John McMullen and Jody McDonald hanging with you. All right. It is a Thursday. Good to have Mike Gill on. A day late, uh, but uh, just as good, just the same. Still rocking the WVU. I give them points for loyalty, but not for handicapping because they're just not very good. Um, but the Eagles are good, even though there is some panic in There's the a lot seat. of panic, evidently. A lot of panic, Jody. I don't know if I'd go a lot, but enough and more than there should be. I think we can all agree on that because they lost to the Dallas Cowboys with their backup quarterback. What is your panic level, Mike Gill? Four. Wow. I'm surprised it's that high, Mike. I'm at well, a- I mean, there are some and injuries. And in the injuries. The injuries are the injury part of what it gets at the yeah. four. Right. There, there are some injury issues that I guess have to be – thought about, you know, Lane Johnson's thing. I mean, he okay, he may play, but how long can he handle playing in a game before he's in and out, in and out, in and out? I think Maddox is a problem, right? I mean, how are they going to kind of figure out what to do with that spot? Uh, that's an underrated problem. Um, you know, and then like Chauncey Gardner, he's not going to get the practice window open, which means he's not going to play again, which means when he does play, he will have missed six, seven straight weeks. And now you're just saying, hey, get back out there and be a playmaker, start making interceptions. Um, so I'm not concerned that they lost the game to Dallas. You know, I said, I don't care, whatever. They lost to Dallas. The, Dallas couldn't stop them. Uh, I think if they play in a game, and you, much like the Washington game, if they're going to turn the ball over four times, they'll lose to Houston, let alone Dallas. I mean, so you, they, they can't do that. Um, but the injuries thing is more my concern, not the way they lost that yeah. game the other day. Now, I yeah, I should have hyper-focused it. I'm with you. The injuries are far more of a worry than losing to Dallas. Uh, the panic scale, I guess I'll, I'll – for the number one seed in the NFC East, what is the panic scale for Mike Gill? Because that's where I'm really low. I'm not yeah, kidding. I would be low. I look this Saints team. Although they are playing for something, I mean they, they still have a possibility of winning that division. Yeah. Uh, so that the narrative has changed on them from "Hey, we're going to have a top five draft pick" to this team's coming in with a chance to make the playoffs. All of a sudden, the problem is they have a chance to make the playoffs in a really bad division with a really bad team. That offense is just not good, and I think where the Eagles should have, you know, I know everybody's panicking about the defense last week. I don't know. Let me ask you guys, and I know this is kind of contrarian, but is there a part of you that says John Gannon says, I'm not showing you guys anything. I'm not switching. I'm not adjusting. I'm just 
this is what you're getting this week. And if we get into a shootout game, great. If not, I'm not giving you anything in this game because I know I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. After giving up a 40 spot? No, I don't think there's any part of Jonathan Gannon that does that. No, he meant coming into the game. Um, yes. Joe. Oh, against the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, you were yeah. talking about for this game against no, the Saints. No, no. Because um, he's seeing the Cowboys. He'll probably see the Cowboys for a third time. So correct. I think Mike is saying, did he hold stuff back because he thinks he's going to see the Cowboys for a third time? I don't yeah. think so. No. And, and like this week against this, this Saints team, you could call the same defensive game. They're just they just don't have anything. I mean, the quarterback play is very subpar. They, I mean, Alave was having a great year for them. He's probably out. Uh, they just have very lack of weapons. So I wouldn't be all that concerned uh, with with this Saints roster. I mean, anybody can beat you. They can come in there. They need to win the game to make the playoffs. But my level of concern, John, to go back to your question, would be pretty low. And I think the Giants will likely be in by next week, right? Yeah, if they win yeah. this week. Uh, so that game could really have That's a... amazing, by the way. Brian Dayball, great job with that team. Uh, yeah. Great job with the with the New York Giants. Um, and Carson Wentz trying to get uh, the Washington Commanders into the playoffs. Very interesting final two weeks of the season. It starts tonight, Mike, though. And one of the other not great things about the end of the season you know, certain teams make business decisions. Tennessee, no matter what they do tonight, is going to play for that conference's bad divisions title in week 18 against Jacksonville. So it doesn't matter. They're not going to play anybody. And Dallas is playing in Tennessee. Now, in theory, that might be a tough game for Dallas. But now it's probably going to be a cakewalk. And so, you know, does that up it a little bit? Because Dallas is probably going to win. So you're not going to backdoor into it, at least until Sunday. Minnesota's not playing until 425. Eagles play at one. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not going to know if Minnesota wins or loses. So the Eagles are pretty much going to have to play the game to win. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I know Doug Peterson said the other day, you know, every game you play to win. Yeah, I, I was laughing about that. They're going to play their starters, I guess, Jacksonville, because that, that game means nothing. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles are, are need to play to win. Like, you've got to continue. The, the big problem they've had is this balance of they were so far ahead and that what do you do if you clinched last week against Dallas? If you you sit your guys against the Saints and the Giants, and you have a bye, I mean, so you've got to still play these games. So it, it, on you know on the surface, it's kind of a good thing that you still need to kind of keep your foot on the gas here. I think at least a little bit uh, instead of trying to dance around, kind of unprecedented, right? Who has clinched with two weeks, three you know, with two weeks still left in the season? and had a buy. I don't know that I've ever remembered a situation where that has occurred, where a team has then had to figure out how to kind of handle that. Uh, so you just take care of your business. Tonight, you know, you're right, John. If Derrick Henry's playing and this uh, Titans team is at full strength, they're the kind of style that could give you a problem because they could run the ball, and we know Dallas doesn't stop the run all that well. And then, of course, Dallas is famously – 40 to three against Minnesota and then looks like crap two weeks later. Uh, So they're flying high off of kind of what I think is a 
not all that significant win over Philadelphia. And then they show up tonight and look like uh, Dallas did against uh, Houston or Jacksonville. A couple things. Number one, you're right about the Titans because they can run the ball. They might give a given opponent a tough time, except they haven't for five straight weeks. They've lost five straight games. So yeah. uh, the whole theory behind it is yeah, not I thought they were going to give the Eagles days. a problem. I yeah, was wrong. Same, I was same wrong exact on thing. That one. Same exact setup, and yeah. the Eagles did what they did to the Titans. So with Malik Willis at the helm, if they were going yeah. all out, I don't think they can win tonight's game. Well, and one problem for them, too, is their pass defense is atrocious. And I think what Dallas kind of displayed last week, I give Kellen Moore a lot of credit. To me, Kellen Moore is kind of the key for that team, is what kind of game is he going to call? There's been games with Cooper Rush early in the year. I thought he did a really good job. And then Dak came back, and he kind of got away from it. I thought last week they did a good job of moving Lamb around and, of course, getting him kind of situated against – Josiah Scott way too much. Linebackers got involved. I don't know. Teams seemingly are uh, figuring out ways to try to get the Eagles linebackers more into coverage here. By the way, Eagles fans are going to hate this. And people, I think a lot of people don't realize it because they don't like Mike McCarthy. The Cowboys have a good coaching staff. I mean, a really good coaching staff. Dan Quinn, I always joke, he's like the defensive version of, of Norv Turner. It's illegal to criticize him. Um, he's just so well-respected in this league. And Kellen Moore is one of those guys who was really inventive. And I was talking to Bradbury yesterday, James Bradbury, who is one of the, I say it all the time, one of the savviest cornerbacks I've ever seen. The Eagles have been doing this to people all year. So the Eagles have a very good uh, coaching staff. They play tempo, so you can't sub and they get you in a position where they have the personnel you want. Bradbury told me that's what the Cowboys were doing. When the Eagles were playing their five-man fronts, the Cowboys would go tempo because they want they didn't want them to sub into their pass coverage. They did it on the third and 30 play. They want tempo. Who does that? Yeah. And the Eagles weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They didn't have the group they wanted on the field. Um Bradbury said they communicated it well, but they weren't prepared for the quick snap. And all of a sudden, Josiah Scott's supposed to race back and he couldn't get to his landmark quickly enough. They have a really, really good coaching staff. I would agree. And I would also say they have a very good coaching staff, but in the losses they've had, that has what reared its ugly head is McCarthy's mismanagement sometimes. I mean, you, he's for the most part, he has gotten out of the way. I, I've gone out of my way to say that on the show is, you know, in the Garrett years, they had the best rosters. He was a buffoon. <laughs> M- McCarthy, they've had the best roster. The problem Call was- Coach Garrett, though, Mike. <laughs> sure. Coach Garrett. Uh, last year, they had the best roster. They mismanaged the game. The losses they had this year against Green Bay and uh, Jacksonville – Those games in the end of the game were mismanaged by the head coach. Not the coordinators as much, but the head coach. I would argue the game last year was mismanaged by the quarterback. You sounded like one of my callers on WIP. Quarterback. When when the team wins, it's the coordinators. When the team loses, it's the head coach. 
it's the same group of guys every single week. So how oh, do you no. differentiate? I'm how do you come up with when they win, it's because they got really good coordinators. But when they lose, it's because the head coach is a screw-up. Yeah, That's McCarthy's, just not fair. Mike McCarthy's a good coach. I, I, no, I, I'm saying they have – their staff – I'm agreeing with John that their staff has, I think – I don't know that like last year was their window, and then when they lost Cooper, uh, right. Amari I, I Cooper. Guess I'll, I'll try and re-ask the question. How did these great coordinators screw up? How did they get a pass for the Cowboys' lousy losses? Where were they? Did they not show? Did they not? Uh, oh no, Kellen, Kellen Moore, I think, has a big role in the Jacksonville game. The way he called that fine when they were up seventeen, the way he called that game. But again, that's the staff. I'm I'm saying as a, as a whole, and Mike McCarthy is the head coach of of the of the team. Uh, so you wonder in a big game, is that going to be the reason? I think the reason they lose is more because of mismanagement, more so than they are not the better team. On the well, field. W- 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 I will say, well, first of all, everybody makes mistakes. I mean, we saw absolutely Reed, who's a Hall of Fame coach. So when you say somebody's a good coach, that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, you go back to their playoff loss last year. You know, that's on Dak Prescott. I- I'm quite sure the Cowboys t- <laughs> make him understand. Look, the-, the official has to place the ball. So you have to be self-aware at that point. And by the way, they still got to win the game. I mean, people say they would have won the game. They would have had one desperation heave into into the end zone. They're not necessarily winning or tying the game. Um, But the quarterback is taught that, understands that he's played enough football where he realizes, hey, I can't spot the ball. The official has to spot the ball. He's got to know that. I can't blame that on Mike McCarthy. I I think it's interesting, and we'll get back to the Eagles because we're not Cowboys 365. But, you know, everybody's like Sean Payton, Dallas, Sean Payton, Dallas, Sean Payton. Eh, damn good coaching staff. I don't know if I want to upset the whole thing uh, just to bring in one guy because everybody thinks he's the guy. But, We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that well, in the offseason. I also think, John and Jody, we all take for granted that the guy who's the head coach, he just is the best at everything. Like some of these guys, they're really good at calling plays or they're really good at pace of the game and they're really good at down and distance. You might be good at nine things, but time management, I don't know why everyone just assumes you're going to be great at all these things. Like sometimes in some games, things are happening and you miscalculate or you don't like I don't know why a team doesn't have a guy who is just some sort of math savant that understands clock stuff. And he literally stands right next to him or in the booth at all times, because there are times where that is what ends up being the downfall in a game that you may have had a great game all the way up to that point, And that one flaw you have stands out. Well, people uh, keep talking about Andy with that here. I mean, exactly. it, it, it's. And most teams do have a time management guy, a game management guy that helps that's in, in your ear. But, man, they banned us. But I used to go – they used to allow us to go on the field, um, you know, basically with four minutes left. Now everything has changed. Um, but, man, when you're on the sidelines in an NFL game, people do not realize how quick this stuff moves, man. I mean, it moves – just incredibly fast and 
it's a lot it's a lot easier to sit in the press box or sit at home in front of the television and say you should have done this you should have done that that those decisions are coming up quickly and that's what i love about nick sirianni who realized very quickly as a rookie head coach this job is big this job is big i can't be bogged down worrying about play calls if i want to if i want to coach this whole team I talk to Jody about that all the time. I love that philosophy. And I think Mike McCarthy has become a better coach because he's not the play caller anymore. And I'll give you another reason why there isn't that individual right by his side to tell him. How to... As John just said, they're becoming more and more CEO head coach in the NFL. So they're not calling plays on the offensive. They're not calling plays. What the hell else does the coach do? Is he a cheerleader? If you're the head coach and you're not managing the clock, and you're not well, substituting, and you're not there's calling the plays, why the hell are you making $8 million? Come on, you got to be in charge of something, and I will tell you these head coaches want that responsibility. They take on that responsibility. Now, some of them, like Andy Reid, just refuse to give up the play-calling responsibility, that that's what they see as their best skill and their most important duty, so they hold on to that. Others have, and John, in my opinion, wisely given that up because it's uh, something that can be better coordinated if you've got other people doing it. But the, the coaches don't want to give that up. They want to be on the hook for that. They want to get credit for when they play it right. They'll take the grief when they get it wrong. Yeah, there's definitely ego involved with play callers. Uh, and, you know, Doug would admit it. I mean, that was the, the funnest part of the game for him, so he wanted to do it. Well, isn't that, though, the reason why generally they, they get hired is because of their oh, yeah. and, uh, play that's calling the acumen. Thing. Yeah. And, and that's why I find the flaw. You could look at a guy like Josh McDaniels, who might be a great play caller and, and a coordinator, but obviously there's a flaw somewhere when he makes it to that next level. And I find that these owners who are doing the hiring cannot see past the fact that I'm some amazed. guys are very good at calling plays, but they're not good at Jody doing the other things that you're looking for, clapping hands, keeping the morale up, keeping 53 men all together at all times, having the tough conversations. You know, people forget there's a lot of time spent in that building before Sunday happens. That's where the head coach really, you know, yeah. makes his mark more yeah. so than calling plays on Sunday, which he can pawn off to somebody else. But that's the reason why these guys are getting these high profile jobs is because they're perceived to be very good at that part of their game. And then they get to the, the bright lights. And as John mentioned, well, now everything's happening so fast and you're making decisions for both sides of the ball, plus the special teams. And there's a fight on the sideline. Somebody threw the iPad. This guy's doing that. And you've got to be engaged in all of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's not a better play caller. And, and Jody knows my, my thought process on this. There's not a better play caller, better schemer in the world. I'll use Nick Sirianni's terminology better than Kyle Shanahan. I love Kyle Shanahan, but boy, he makes a lot of game management mistakes. And why? Because he's bogged down in the play calling and scheming. Now, there's a give and take. I'm not going to fire the guy because he's so good at, at this, but there's a give and take to it. Um, and if you're, if you're, I see it, you know, with, with Sean McVay as well. And, and now Kevin O'Connell, they get bogged down and, and, and mistakes are made and, and Andy's the best example of all. 
um, probably, because that's a Hall of Fame coach. No doubt about it, Hall of Fame coach. When you're bogged down with that, there there's going to be some time minute management issues. And, and, it's and interestingly enough, I don't know, maybe you guys can, you know, at the top of your head, think about this. But one area where I don't remember, and of course, the Eagles are 13 and two right now, so you don't get a lot of uh, angry reaction, but is that Nick Sirianni and his staff have not mismanage the clock all that much where it has reared. You know what? People were complaining that Gardner Minshew shouldn't have spiked the ball. Yeah. Um, that was you get you still get stuff like that. Now, you know, then the debate happens, you know, how many plays are you going to get in that amount of time? So, you know, it's not perfect, but I think it's worked. It's certainly worked for Nick Sirianni being a CEO coach. I will say that. And you're right about during the week, Mike. Far more work goes in during the week when it comes to game planning, play calling, than people realize. I mean, that sheet's there for a reason. And the, the most fun thing about second coach, second guessing coaches and, and or a quarterback, because you're right, the only question that came up after the game this Sunday was, should Minshew have spiked the ball there? If he throws a touchdown pass... Does anybody mention, you know, I really thought it was actually a mistake to spike the ball. Of course not. <laughs> so the only no. thing that matters is the defining it after the fact. If it doesn't work out for the home team, if they can't get t- well, then how the hell did you spike the ball? It only becomes a debate if the ensuing yeah. well, plays don't know, work out. We're getting yeah. esoteric. I say all the time, people don't judge play calling. They judge play results. They results, just don't realize absolutely it. right. Because, you know, you could say, oh, that's a bad play. Why is it a bad play? Did the left guard miss a block? Did the right guard miss a block? Was the receiver open? So many things can go wrong on a play. And you say, I had this discussion with Doug Peterson. He's like, yeah, sometimes players bail you out. And sometimes you got the best play call ever imagined. And you see it working and miss block and it blows up. Nobody judges play calling. They judge play results, but right. they don't realize it. Yeah. And and look, I think for the most part, that's where, um, you know, when we get to the playoff situation, I mean, these next couple of weeks, you're seeing teams that are coaching games with much different mindsets than they were 10 weeks ago, right? Hey, I want to take a look at this kid. I need to get more look at that. I want to see this. So I'm going to call plays this way. Can this right tackle handle pass block forward down? You know, stuff like that gets into play at this stage of the season, which really changes things. That all changes in a couple of weeks where there is no, hey, I want to look at this guy. My game plan is to win this game in front of me. And and that is where, look, a lot of these teams – I think over the years we see is um, who's better prepared because the level of talent is very, is very uh, similar. Let me run these numbers by both you two guys. Since 2016, 59, 29 and one games. Eagle played with Lane Johnson as their starting right tackle games without Lane Johnson, nine and 21. That's significantly above 500. It's compared to well below 500. How are they going to win without Lane Johnson? Yeah, that number has been out there for a while. Though the one year, 
they were just a bad football team. That was what twenty twenty, I guess it was. They were just horrendous. Yeah. They lost five guys on the offensive line. I think the other year was well. That might have been the year that he got drafted. Was the year before when they were really bad and they had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. So then they drafted him, and then I guess he has been hurt. Uh, he played nine games, eight games, somewhere in there. Look, he's important. There's no question about it. Um, I don't know with this team it will stand out as much. It shouldn't as some of the teams that he has been on in the past that it has stood out. I mean, obviously, um, that 2020 team was just horrendous, and they lost, what, what are they, 3-13 and 13 that year. So that's a big chunk of the reason why they were so bad. They've got some options. I'm interested, guys, to see what they do. I mean, is Driscoll definitively going to play that spot? I know they don't like to move one guy from one side to the other and go Mylotta. Uh, and play Dillard at left. I, I mean, obviously, they don't want to say anything yet. But uh, what is your because? Quite I frankly, think, I asked I asked Nick the question yesterday, and he was he was very uh, he was having fun yesterday. He said, "I'm not going to answer that question because if I answer that question, the Saints are going to know." So he's in full competitive advantage mode. Yeah, I think Jack Driscoll is going to be the right tackle. I thought it was amazing, you know, Lane Johnson didn't give up a pressure or anything in however many straight. Driscoll's in for one game, 11 snaps, he gave up one pressure. Yeah, well, <laughs> Lane's... There's a drop-off. I mean, there's no yeah, question. There's a significant drop-off. I think it becomes a bigger question if Lane wasn't coming back. I think that might change the thinking. Then they might start thinking about, well, are we better with Dillard at left tackle, Mylotta at right tackle? Yeah, uh, but for two games and well, I, and one I of them think. being the Saints, I I, defeat, I think that Driscoll look Driscoll is a solid enough player. I mean, is it a drop off? Absolutely. I think some of the games, Jody, where you mentioned the record, the drop off was a pretty significant drop off. Driscoll going into that spot, you've got a guy that, I mean, you could make an argument that would be starting on a lot of teams in this league. He wouldn't be a Pro Bowler, uh, but would be a guy that would be a pet, you know. Dennis Kelly, who was here years ago, yeah. he has been starting in this league for quite some time. Look Matt at that prior, baby. Matt Prior Vodside got a mint from Detroit. Right. So Scotland University, man. You can pay I think back for your two games, loans quickly. I think for two games, they should be able to uh handle themselves over there. Uh with either configuration. I don't know. I kind of like Mylotta and Dillard playing. Um rather than Driscoll, because then you have Driscoll who can kind of still be that. Well, here, here's the thought process, because I've talked a lot of, to Stoutland about this, and, you know, he doesn't like moving parts, you know. So my lot is better, obviously, at right tackle than any other option they would have, but he's not as good as Lane. So you're still getting worse at right tackle, but you're also getting worse at left tackle. Right. So you're affecting two positions. That's how he looks at it. Um, so I would be, to be honest, if Lane was out for the season, I think it would still be Driscoll. But I think it would be more of a conversation. Maybe maybe Nick pushes a little bit more. But if we're up to Stout, man, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to affect two positions. He and if doesn't. you handicap what the Eagles have done while Stoutland has been the offensive coordinator, they seem more uh, open-minded to moving a guy from inside to outside or outside to inside, as long as he stays on the same side of the ball, as much as they are moving one guy from one side to the other. 
that Stoutland believes left side, right side is a big differential. If you're on one side of the line, you're playing with one hand, you're looking at the same kind of angles, that he's more willing to move a guy from tackle to guard and guard to tackle than he is left to right. Now, Driscoll did move to left tackle this year when when Dillard was hurt and, and Jordan um, had to come out. So, it, it, Because it, they had no other choice. Yeah, and he, he did okay. I was a little yeah. surprised. I was a little surprised by that. Um, it, it's, you know, and Jordan, by the way, gave Driscoll a really good compliment, at least if you understand the Eagles locker room. And he called him Sayamalawish because the Eagles think Isaac can play anywhere. They don't worry about Isaac. I mean, they, they don't worry. They think he can play every position, literally every position. Um, and and Driscoll has started to develop that versatility. So it'll be interesting. Um, and it'll be more interesting at the playoffs because I think people – my bigger concern with Lane is not, is he going to play? He's going to play. Is he going to finish? Because that's that's painful. Yeah, that would and be that, that I would be down the same road. Is okay, Lane Johnson's playing, and then how long through the game before he has to come back? He missed parts of the Giant game. Yeah, that's situation. Where it, now after that up. game, if memory serves, he did say he could have gone back in if they needed him. Yeah, and they didn't need him, so he did not go back. Uh, and now here we are a couple weeks later with the same injury, but more serious. And now he's going to rest for a couple of weeks. He'll have three weeks really to rest that injury. So we'll see. But I agree with you, John, that that would be my biggest concern. And now, look, knowing that, you can really ramp up whatever you want Driscoll to do to be prepared. If you want to say, hey, we want to get you a little bit more reps to get you prepared in the event that we need you to go into a game now because there's a good possibility that happens. I think, put it this way, I think they're more equipped now to handle him being out than they are Maddox, right? Avante's really, yeah. Avante's really good. Now, I think if CJ is back, um, that helps a lot, but he's not back right now. I think the eye is on the playoffs now with CJ Gardner-Johnson because he can play slot and safety. Now, you're going to ask him to move to the slot after not playing there all season? I mean, is that crazy? Or Well, he's played it his whole NFL career. I think right. In a lot of ways, he's probably more comfortable there. Um, I, I do think it was interesting. They were really cooking with Avante Maddox at the end there, uh, unfortunately. It, it really only started in the Chicago game. And I thought it was injury-related, but evidently it wasn't because they did the same thing in the Dallas game. Uh, they started playing him at safety when they played base, which is not often, but still, um, and then moved him into the slot when they needed a nickel corner when they're playing, which is most of the time. And what that did is kept him on the field for every play because typically he would leave the field if they were playing base. Um, and that enabled them to get him on the field for the entire game. I think they might do the same thing with CJ when he comes back. And I think, that would be really, really helpful. Uh, but there's so much uncertainty with that lacerated kidney. You know what it is, Jody? You know what it is, Jody? You can't trust a guy from Pitt. 
Oh, you think going down that foolish West Virginia road again. All right. Uh, one last question for both you guys, and certainly not the uh, sample size that I gave you on Lane Johnson, 59, 29, and one with him, nine and 21 without him. Um, Gardner Minshew's career record against the Eagles, uh, Gardner Minshew, uh, Andy Dalton's career record against the Eagles. Either one of you know? I have not delved into it. Um, I mean, they played the Bengals maybe yeah. twice in his time frame, and then he was with Dallas. Yeah, he's with Dallas. Uh, who else was he with? Uh, boy, he started to bunt, bounce around. I don't know. What How does it? undefeated sound? Yeah. How many? Three and oh? Three and oh. Yeah. Well, I Andy, got the numbers right. Two with Cincinnati. You did. Exactly right. Good, good computing by you, Gil. Three and oh, including a victory over the Jalen Hurts led Eagles. In 2020, you forget that game at the end of the year when they were both mathematically still involved in the playoff. You know, you know, the Nick... god awful NL <laughs> NFC East, and he came in and put up good numbers against this Eagle defense in 2020. You know, Nick Sirianni was asked the, your Lane Johnson question essentially yesterday, Jody, uh, about the difference between uh, when he's on the field, when he's off the field. And he, and he said, and to his credit, he said this before, what does that have to do with me? I wasn't here. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, what are, what does Andy Dalton beating the Eagles in 2020 have to do with this team? Well, there I was agree. What, what does there Andy Dalton beating them where... in 2016 with the Bengals have to do yeah. with this team? Yeah. I get it, but 3-0 is 3-0. It's mindset. It's I a agree. confident, cocky, red rifle coming to town knowing he's undefeated against yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. There was a time where Dalton was a competent, like, you he know, was he good. was, well, he I don't good. know. I mean, with those Bengals teams, people forget they were winning 10 games, making that they were oh, Super yeah. Bowl uh, talk with that team for a couple of those years that he was there. Now, he is not nearly the same player. Uh, that he was in those Cincinnati days, the Dallas game a couple of years ago. The Eagles obviously were not uh, ready or anywhere near the level that they are now. I will say this, having a veteran quarterback in there, you still have to be somewhat concerned that he can have a game as opposed to, I heard you make a reference to Ann Book. I mean, you're not playing someone of that level. You're playing a capable veteran quarterback who, by the way, Needs to win this game. There's a lot of Ian Book alive. disrespect going on here. Ian, a lot Ian, of Ian Book disrespect. Ian Book this is, is a revenge game for Ian Book. E oh, but uh, who cares <laughs> yeah. about Andy Dalton and what he did against the Eagles two years ago? Ian Book is one good hit from holding the Eagles' playoff hopes in his hands. He go yeah. ahead and dismiss uh, the uh, whole Ian Book. The way, uh, by the way, Nick Sirianni, you know, he first brought it up, Arizona. Somebody told him. Uh, the Eagles had not won in Arizona since 2001, and he said the same thing. What the hell does that have to do with me? Uh, you know, I, and they won. They didn't play well, but they won. I think obviously the big question, for regardless of who the quarterback is with the Eagles every week, is what's the offensive line look like in New Orleans? Because you know the Eagles, what, 61 sacks. They need one more to set a franchise record. And when they win that battle up front, especially with a quarterback like Andy Dalton and the lack of weapons they have, that's where this game will be decided. This yeah, week. Yeah, Ryan, 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 uh, Ryan Ramchick. Four, four sacks last week. How'd that work out for the Eagles? Uh, six, Eagles. didn't they? they had six. Six, yeah. six sacks last week. Well, uh, hold on, Dallas, let me double-check the final score. Oh, that's right. Dallas 40, Eagles 33. By the way... 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, six sacks for the Eagles, zero for the Cowboys. In good times and bad, Jonathan Gannon says the same thing. Sacks are not a winning stat. Doesn't care. Doesn't he's care. just he's just so wrong. Uh, that was the case this past week. But they uh, well, who I, lead, I, all right, you play Gannon, uh, McMullen. Who leads the NFL in sacks? Eagles. Who's the only thirteen and two team in football? Eagles. There's no fucking correlation, Gannon. Yeah, right. Stop. <laughs> that's not that's not what he said. He said it's not a winning stat. He said a- except it is with the Eagles. They're winning. They're 13 and 2, and they're number one in the league. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, all right. Jody, you're boiling a 13 and 2 record down to sacks when they had an MVP candidate at quarterback. They have one of the best offenses in football. They have one of the best defenses in football, one of the best secondaries when they communicate, which they didn't do in Dallas. And you're boiling it down to sacks, turnovers, and explosive plays. That's what Nick said. Forget about Jonathan Gannon. That's what Nick Sirianni cares about. That's what their analytics tell them correlate to winning. Everything else is just white noise. Turnovers. And by the way, Dallas, it wasn't about not getting sacks. The sacks were good. Why did they lose the game in Dallas? Four stinking turnovers. That's why they lost the game in Dallas. Right, to which I would say, if you sack Andy Dalton six times, I would imagine the result would be a fumble and two interceptions also coming with it. Not the case with Dallas um, last week. You got to give Prescott and and them a lot of credit. They, you know, he picked them apart. He was flawless. He didn't make that bonehead mistake that has reared its ugly head into their losses this year. Um, and, and I thought they had a really good game plan. I don't know that the Saints have the same personnel to get that done. The uh, I'll go with seasonal stats over last week's results when it comes to sacks. So, sorry, JG. Uh, you, you're never going to win me over on that one. What's the downside to a sack? There is none. Zero. So You didn't say there was, Jody. You're making no, jumps. I'm, uh, John, John, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking to you or to Jonathan or anybody else. There's no downside to a of sack. Of course there's so no I downside. Did, Excuse me? Of course there's no downside. Right. So I'm I'm responding to the statement you made, Jonathan Gannon said it's not a winning stat. I'm going to point to the Eagles at 13-2 and two as proving it is in part not the only thing. The Eagles aren't 13-2 and two solely because they lead the league in sacks, but I would say that's a big contributing factor, which is the reason why I just disagree with Gannon if he says it's not a winning stat. Sorry, I disagree with you, Gannon. He that that what I respect, he says it in good times and bad. In other words, he doesn't sit and cow and say, "Hey, we lead the league in sacks." He said it in, in bad times. He says it in good times. He he's right in the fact that sacks are sort of like turnovers in the randomness category. It comes down to who's the quarterback. You know, is he going to give you an opportunity to get sacks? Do you have finishers? They got Hassan Reddick. They you got know, pressure last year, but they didn't have finishers. You know who number two is in sacks this year? Dallas? Probably still Dallas. New England. Did New England move in a second? Because Dallas they had was. 50. 
Then yeah, Dallas Matt, Matt Judon's having a big year sack wise. Uh, Indianapolis has a lot of sacks this year. They're they're in the top one, two, three, four, five. They're sixth in the league in sacks. Philadelphia, New England, Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, Indianapolis, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and then your Jets, and then the Saints come marching in with forty sacks. Saints what, aren't bad. What, what uh, just generally speaking, what category did the Eagles lead the league in? Other than sacks. Well, they didn't turnovers until this game. No, I'm, now I'm talking second. about right now. Um, now I, I would have their first in a lot of their first in passing defense. Uh, they're first in a lot of stuff, but I'd have to I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I, I would say sacks is part of the reason why they're 13 and 2. Pretty good chunk. Uh, and yeah, I'd call it a winning stat. Sorry, I disagree with the coordinator. Uh Mike Gill, thank you very much. Appreciate you jumping in with us today. Um, we'll sl- certainly slot you back in again next week. We'll work on the day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll get you in one of these days. But you can't I, I figured that. there was going to be You no... got to lose the West Virginia guard. All right, it just doesn't work. There was no player of the week this week, so I didn't. Oh, that's know. right, Gil. Yeah. That's, it didn't matter. It didn't that's, matter. That's, You're not no, going to no, get it. No, when you take lose. credit for it, Gil. That's why there was no player for the week for the Eagles because you weren't here on Wednesday. There so, we go. Uh, we need you back next Wednesday. All right, boys. Mikey, thanks. Thanks, Mike. Happy New Year. Same to you. See ya. Mike Gill, Mr. West Virginia here with us on Birds 365. All right, McDonald and McMullen coming back. Um, Jeff Nowak is going to join us coming up in uh, about 15 minutes from now. Uh, he is uh, Eagle, uh, the Saints beat guy for WWL.com uh, down in uh, uh, New Orleans. Uh, good job. He was on me before the season. Did the Saints preview with me on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, so we're going to talk to him. Jeff Nowak joins us in about 15 minutes here on Birds 365. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event.
all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Countdown to the Sunday showdown with the Saints in Philadelphia. Supposedly, Johnny Mac, light jacket for you going to the game. It's going to yeah. be upwards of 60 degrees. The freezing temperatures we dealt with here over the last week, and it's going back to 60 on Sunday. What the hell? That's a positive for the Saints. I mean, I just talked about it with uh, Dome teams going into Lambeau late in the season. Um, Dome team coming into Philadelphia. Yeah, it would be helpful if it were 20 degrees. I think you could, you know, pretty much chalk up the W in that type of circumstance. But it's going to be a nice day, and that makes it a little bit better uh, for the Saints. But, I mean... I've been watching this team all year. They're just they're just too good for the Saints. Uh, even with all the injuries, even with the backup, they're just too good for the Saints. And playing at home, yeah, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Are you talking about Eagles winning the game or Eagles blowing out the Saints? Uh, winning the game. Just yeah, winning. It, it, it is the NFL. But, you know, I was looking at it during the break. So, you know, 538, the, they do their uh, the political blog, famous for predicting elections. They do NFL playoffs and, you know, mm-hmm. the percentages and how, who's likely to make the playoffs. The Eagles are currently 97% to win the division, 95% for a first-round bye. Uh, the Saints, 3% to make the playoffs. Two percent division. I mean, they're cooked. They're they're they they know their fate. They're no, not wait, going. Wait, to... wait a minute. The Saints, the Saints have some percentage to potentially make the wild card. Is that even true? Either they um, win the division or they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. The two they're, percentages they're, they're, should be exactly the same. Yeah, they're they're minute. Uh, it says three percent, two percent. I don't. I don't know their formula, um, but it, it's essentially. And it's, you know, the the margin of error is 0.1% or how, however. I'm not the math guy, Jody. But yeah, I, I, I think 
you're quoting Fugazi numbers, or they're not doing their homework. Well, right? that's their. I'm not quoting their. I'm quoting their numbers. Right. So take you, it up with them. That's what I said. You're quoting their Fugazi numbers. I, I think they're eliminated from wild card possibilities. I think the only way the Saints can make the playoffs. Well, the Bucks win, win the, division. the division if they win this week. So right, the Bucks win the if they if they beat Carolina, they win the division. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that's going to happen. I, 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 the Bucks are probably going to win the division. Um, but so it, it, for the panic stricken people, um, because they allow you to, to, to change the numbers with, with, uh, projected wins. So if the Cowboys win, the Eagles lose and we'll throw the Vikings winning as well then the numbers crash all the way to 84 percent to win the division and 79 percent for a first round bye so we right. and then they'd still be in decent shape but yeah. oh there will be panic in the street oh the panic the, the panic will be unbelievable here's my only upside from the fact that uh, they got beat by the cowboys on sunday because had they had won we would have had to listen to the side, and I lately disagree with it, but you can always make every argument um, that they should play hard against the Saints, that they shouldn't rest guys, they shouldn't go into protection mode because, oh my God, the, if the Saints beat our JV, well, then it's going to cost us on where that first round draft pick is going to be. Kind of the Johnny Mac stance of, way too much worry about the future when the present is staring you right in the face and you've got something to accomplish and should be your narrow focus. Oh my God, keep an eye on what's coming up down the road. Oh, that placement of that first round pick that they have from the Saints is all important. No, it's not. You got to be in the moment for 2022. I feared that. I thought the Eagles were actually going to beat the Cowboys in the and that was what we are going to be talking about here on Birds 365. And no, we know that they're going to be putting every effort uh, this side of protecting injured play, injured players into winning this game this week. Yeah, I I mean, it, 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 Nick's been pretty uh, concrete on that. As long as there's something to play for, and you know, if they haven't clinched the NFC East, technically they haven't clinched the one seed. Guys are going to play. Guys who are healthy are going to play, and that's the way it should be. But yeah, moving past that. Yeah, I yeah, I tell you all the time, I think in a lot of ways with certain fans, not everybody, certain fans, Sam Hankey broke Philadelphia. Everybody's worried about the they never think about they have a 13 and 2 team. This is not happening every year. All right. Don't get used to this. Yeah. Don't assume this is going to happen every year. Um this is the best Eagles team I've ever seen. Um I mean, living that. Don't worry about it. Look, it's great that they have an extra first-round pick, but that's for after the season. Um, and hopefully that season doesn't end until Glendale, Arizona. And if it doesn't, by the way, it'll be tremendously disappointing. It's Super Bowl or bust for this team right now. Um, I, I, I get it. I don't get, I don't get that whole group. I don't get it. You're right. Sam Hinkey probably was part of the reason why people get too involved or put too much emphasis on the future. I get it when you stink, 
When you got a bad team, yeah. you know you go nowhere faster. You say, let me turn this page because the page I'm looking at is way too freaking ugly. Okay, yeah, that I get. 13 and 2. They're 13 and 2. And you're worried about what's going to happen in the draft in April. That's that's losing focus on your main uh, goal. Uh, and shame on anyone who does. All right, Jane, let me ask you this. Uh, I wanted to get it in, and certainly we do it before. Uh, uh, hopefully, Jeff Nowak joins us from down in uh, New Orleans. Lane Johnson out of the lineup. We are speculating that Driscoll's the guy who's going to be plugged in there. Um, looks very much like uh, Jalen Hurts is not going to be their quarterback. What's their play sheet going to look like on Sunday? How much does it change from what it usually is? We know that it changes because it's Gardner Minshew and not Jalen Hurts. We we saw at least a portion of that Sunday against the Cowboys. Did they do anything differently because Driscoll's in it right tackle rather than Lane Johnson? Or do you just have to have the plug-and-play mentality? We are what we are. We have faith in Driscoll. If we're plugging him in to start, we believe he's got to do his job, and we're going to call the plays the same way. Um, no, I think it changes a little bit. I mean, the Eagles have the tremendous luxury typically of not having to worry about their tackles. Like so many teams in, in this league have to worry about helping their tackles, whether it's a back chipping a pass rusher, a tight end lined up next to him. You know, if Cam Jordan is having a big day, for instance, hasn't had a big year, but that's been a great pass rusher in this league for a lot of years. Um, if he's having a big day, then you, yeah, then you gotta, you gotta chip him. You gotta, you know, maybe put Dallas Goddard on his side more than you want. Um, you, you do have to adjust, and and that's an incredible luxury for a play caller and an offensive coach to have two tackles where you can just say, oh, put them on an island. Don't worry about it. I don't, I don't have to worry about either of them. Um, and that changes with no Lane Johnson. And it might not change this week. And But if it's in the playoffs against a big pass rusher, like I said, um, yeah, I mean, you got to adjust and you got to change. But as far as the offense as a whole, I mean, I think you saw it in Dallas. It was very effective. They were still very effective. But you saw the difference between inside zone and, 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 and Jalen Hurts and the plus one. You know, because – We've had this discussion multiple times, Jody. People just hand the ball off to Miles Sanders. Well, you can do that. It's not going to be as effective mm-hmm. without the threat of Jalen Hurts pulling it. And you saw, you saw the difference. That was the biggest difference you saw in Dallas because they were really effective throwing the football for the most part um, outside the two turnovers. Um, and they schemed up some really good stuff. Um and, and, you know, by no means is Gardner Minshew the same as Jalen Hurts throwing the football either. But where it was most magnified, the absence of Jalen, was in the running game. And the fact that the threat just isn't there. It's not the same. So it becomes much more difficult to run the football. How much pressure is on Josiah Scott this week? If Chauncey Gardner-Johnson not coming back, which it very much looks like, you and I agree, he didn't even make it to a walkthrough yesterday. They didn't activate him for a walkthrough. Read between the lines. 99% he's not going to play this week, which means Josiah Scott's got to go 
in the slot corner, does he not? Or am I missing something? Could they get a little radical and go in another direction? No, I don't think so because they have two injuries now. They do have CJ and and they do have uh, um, Avante. So those are, you know, we kind of forget because CJ hasn't been around for a while. But, you know, you're already down to Reed Blankenship. And when, hell, Reed was hurt for a while and then you had you were down to Kayvon Wallace and they made the ship with Avante Maddox to play in some safety as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to play and he's going to play in the slot. And that's what happened. Remember when Avante missed four games with the hamstring it was Josiah Scott. There was some, there was some bad and there was some good and it's, it's a big downgrade, but that's their best option. And, He's going to play in the slot. And they got to communicate better. It wasn't just Josiah Scott. They got to communicate better. And the defensive coordinator has got to, you know, be better situationally. And when it's third and 30, don't be trying, you know, Tampa two sink, you know, just play cover two and get the hell off the field. Right. And, oh, by the way, and we don't know if Chris Olave is going to play. Rookie wide receivers had an outstanding year. The guy the Saints moved up to to take when they made it to trade and gave the Eagles the first round draft pick for next year, with we're overly worried about. He didn't play last week. He was limited participant in practice yesterday, which means he's trending the right, right way. We don't know if he's going to play yet this week. Even if they put him in the slot and uh, Jarvis Landry has been their slot guy, he's out. He's not going to play. Josiah Scott's not going to have to cover CB Lamb this week. He had a pretty tricky assignment that he bought into last week when Maddox went down covering the Cowboys' best wide receiver and one of the best wide receivers in the entire National Football League out of the spot. Yeah, Saints aren't going to be throwing that against him this week. Yeah, so. I, talk, I talked to Bradbury about that, too. You know, <laughs> Bradbury's such a, a smart player. I say it all the time. Groats is going to get mad at me because, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm oh, Roach doesn't James. disagree. He's smart. He just says he's the slowest cornerback he's yeah. ever seen. I'm I'm a big James Bradbury guy. He's such a I I really respect smart players. He, he, and he, he jumped on the Jody Mac bandwagon when I told you when he was still on the Giants. It is a guy that the minute he is well, I always knew he was market. a good player. Um, but he's a perfect fit for what the Eagles run. Um, and and you know people are saying, well, put Slay in the slot. Well, if you put Slay in the slot, that means Josiah Scott's got to play outside. You think the other team doesn't know that? I mean, people don't think about the dominoes of it all. Right. And that's 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 a big part of it. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. Coming back, we're going to get a little bit of a Saints insight. Jeff Nowak from WWL.com. Odyssey.com going to jump aboard with us here on Birds 365. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. 
Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Appreciate you streaming on in on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jordan McDonald here with you. We are joined by Jeff Nowak, uh, who covers the Saints for WWL and WWL.com. Down there in New Orleans, podcast host uh, for Saints football as well. Jeff, Jordy Mack and John McMullen. See, now I got to ask you something before uh, we ever get into the conversation on Saints. When I tried to book and get you on the show, you said, I needed to check how strong my strength is from the camping site I'm going to be at. That's no camping site where you're at. That's a studio that you're in right now. What happened to camping? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about. Maybe you're talking about somebody else. I never said I was going oh, to be camping. I'm screwing this up. Yeah. Jody's got like 17 different uh, shifts he's got to do. Probably mix see. you up with somebody let else. See. Let me see how this conversation went, just to be sure. Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> maybe maybe we're, we're feeling. Uh, uh, hey, never mind. All right. The host is an idiot. Uh, by the way, I like your studio. You're looking good yeah. there, buddy. What, what do you got you. over your shoulder? Who? Who's over your shoulder? What do you got the pictures uh, over the yeah, shoulder? So that's the Drew Brees. Um, from the newspaper I worked yeah. at back when Drew Brees broke the yardage record. I thought it was a pretty cool front. Um, and so that's that. That's actually over my head is actually a Pulitzer. Um, and then over here. I is... saw, uh, by the way, I saw uh, your Twitter feed. Yeah. You said Pulitzer adjacent, Jeff. Yes. So I need to know 
what Pulitzer adjacent means. Well, so it's kind of it's kind of weird because so I was on a team that won a Pulitzer, right? All, all right. But I was on the digital side of things, and I didn't do any of the original reporting. You know, I I I did a lot of the editing. I did a lot of the headline writing. I created hey, a splash man. page. Hey, I created like a interactive graphic stuff like that. But it is weird to say like, oh, I want a Pulitzer when I didn't. I didn't do the reporting. No, you won, uh, but I did. I have the thing. Yeah. It's over yes. my head. So if it's yeah. over your shoulder, you got it, big guy. Take credit for <laughs> yeah. it. By the Absolutely. way, you're the second Pulitzer Prize winner nice. on this program. We had Will Hobson from the Washington Post as well. So gotcha. Uh, number also, two. sorry if you hear a dog barking. Um, no. He's upset because this is normally his go for a walk time. So gotcha. he's standing at the bottom of the stairs, going up, saying, yeah, you're probably "You have one job." Hear my, my dog bark. So yeah, you're no, talking no, to two no other dog owners. We are, so we, we are dog. <laughs> we know where you're coming from. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeff. How chock full of confidence are the Saints coming into this game, seeing as they are playoff adjacent? <laughs> playoff adjacent is being generous. Um, <laughs> you know, I think this is a team that I think will have some some confidence that you haven't seen from them this year. You know, this is the first time all year they are on a winning streak. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, like you're on a, not on a winning streak when you win one game, you have to win two games. And this is the first time all year they have won back-to-back games. And I think the way they did it, going out to Cleveland and winning that type of game in that type of conditions, six degrees at kickoff, you know, everyone told them, oh, you're a warm weather team. You're yeah, going to have no chance. Well, they went out and they won. And I think that's only a game you win if you are still pushing hard. A lot of people have criticized the head coach, the the roster construction, whatever. This team is still playing hard. And, after what this season has been, you know, there's something to be said for that. So, like, this could have been a game where on either side, these teams weren't motivated to, to like, for any type of standings pressure. That's not the case. Both teams are going to be going all out. So, you know, it's going to be a good game, I think. Um, is that sort of, you know, the Saints are in that position. We, It's going to be very difficult. Uh, that Tom Brady latest comeback really – uh, really dampened any yeah. real hope of making the playoffs. Um, you mentioned Dennis Allen. You always have the Sean Payton specter. It seems like every uh, <laughs> team with an open Las Vegas is talking about it now. Denver's talking about it. Uh, the easiest path for Sean Payton would be going right back to New Orleans. Um, and then you have the Tom Brady aspect of it. Everybody wants a 46-year-old quarterback. How does all that sort of outside noise, has that affected this team at all? Well, you know, it's always kind of been there. Um, the The new update is, and I've actually been talking about this for a while because I could see like the one scenario that Sean Payton might come back to the Saints is if he comes back with, Sean, with Tom Brady in his arms. Um, and we've known for a while now, Sean Payton actually told us this directly, that, you know, Tom Brady was going to be his quarterback if Drew Brees had retired in 2019. So like... That's not just out of thin air. Like, that's a real thing. Um, but the the main difference is, like, until now, it's been like, yeah, Sean Payton's probably going to come back to coaching. But the ideal scenario for him is to go somewhere else. Well, now there's a lot of talk about him going back to the Saints. And now that's like, if you're Dennis Allen, that's got to be an awkward situation because it's not like the team or the coaching or the front office has come out and, like, denied that. So I, I don't know if it's going to have an impact on the team. Um it's it's been such a weird atmosphere around this team anyway the last few years with Drew retiring and Sean Payton just retiring out of the blue. Um, so I don't think that's gonna you know it's just another drop in the bucket for the team. 
but it could make things awkward for the coaching staff. Uh, and that's something we're going to have to see going forward. So there was no bad blood when Sean Payton decided to say adios and walk off into the sunset? Not publicly. Um, but behind the scenes, who knows? They did a good job of like putting on the right face and they all hugged and they all said the right things. Mickey Loomis, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Mickey Loomis said like multiple times we would ask him and he would be like, you know, I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I'm going to talk about it here, like whatever he was going to talk next. And then he was like, you know what? I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I'm going to talk about it at the senior bowl. And then he never, he, so Mickey Loomis actually never made a public announcement, like a public statement regarding Sean Payton leaving as like, think about that. That's kind of crazy. Um, and it's hard to believe that's because he was just so emotional. He was just so overcome with joy. Like, I think there is probably some lingering resentment there. And I think it could be a factor in whether they want to bring him back. And so if a team like the Chargers is willing to offer a first round pick, I think you still probably would take it even if he does want to come back. So it's kind of this really weird scenario, but I don't think anyone on a team or at least anyone like any of the players are really thinking about that right now. Like they're very focused on the Eagles because if they win this game, you know, this is a team that's headed in the right direction. And maybe suddenly that changes your calculus completely. And you're like, you know what? Things have gone really wrong this season. There have been a lot of injuries, but they found a way to kind of coalesce late in the year, even if they don't make the playoffs. And that's something you want to bring back. So and I think there's still some positivity they can they can bring out of this season. Well, we got to get to the game, Jeff, but you mentioned Mickey Loomis. I, I, I got to ask you about Mickey because in Philadelphia, uh, he's very popular, even though they don't know him. <laughs> I can't uh, imagine why. <laughs> yeah. And the spin is that Howie Roseman kind of, Fleeced him a little bit, and obviously uh, the Eagles have the Saints' uh, first-round pick. And while earlier in the season it looked really bad from yeah. the Saints' perspective, they've, they've started to win a little bit. It doesn't look quite as bad, and that will keep them, I imagine, playing until the end of the season. But uh, how is Mickey Loomis uh, looked at in New Orleans right now? You know, there's, there's criticism there. Um this is obviously, as you can imagine, this is not a team that just fires people flippantly. Um, you know, Mickey's been in that position. He might be the longest tenured GM in the NFL. I don't, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but he's been there 20 years. And GMs don't typically last 20 years in the NFL, so that kind of gives shows you his staying power. Um, but you know, it does. You, you do, it does start to get awkward when you operate the way he does, which is very close to the sun. Um, and, and then things don't go well, you know, like when they go well, you're like, you know what? Okay. I can, I can get on board with you kind of over leveraging draft assets because like in 2017, you were able to have like one of the best drafts in NFL history, you know? And so when, when thing when you start drafting guys like, you know, Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner and, uh, you know, Cesar Ruiz who struggled his first two years, but has really picked it up this year, even though he's on IR right now. Um, you know, that's when things start to get awkward. Now, this year they had a very good draft, right? Chris Olave has been excellent. Alante Taylor, the second round pick, has been excellent. Um, we really haven't seen Trevor Penning, who is the the real trade, right? Like when you talk about that first round pick, they didn't just trade a first round pick, they traded to basically move up that first round pick from 2023 to 2022. And so the player they took is for Penning. So if Trevor Penning ends up being a starting left tackle and is there for five, 10 years, then that trade was worthwhile. Um, especially if you win a couple more games and you turn the pick you're sending, as you mentioned, into what, the 15th, 16th pick. Yeah. If you make the playoffs, probably the 19th pick, which is the pick they traded for because it's the worst pick you can get from a playoff team or the best pick you can get from a playoff team. Yeah, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's 
I think there's a lot less um, kind of resentment in that direction right now than there could be um, had the season gone completely off the rails, had it gone like three and 14, um, because then you would be expecting him to fire the coach. And I don't think Mickey's going to fire Dennis Allen uh, unless something crazy happens. Um, but I think we're one or two seasons away from like serious criticism going at Mickey because it's going to result in like what the actual impact of these trades you know, I, there was, I'll tell you what, there was a lot more anger around the CJ Gardner Johnson trade yeah. than there was the first round draft pick trade because you're used to you're used to the draft pick trades. It's kind of just what happens every year. Like if you get through a Saints draft without three or four draft pick trades, you know, you're not watching because they are always there. Whereas like handing away CJ for peanuts, because that's what it was. They got nothing. They just the, the only thing they got was him out of the locker room. That's a, that's just that annoys people because he was a fan favorite. He's a very good player, um, and they just got nothing for him. And they struggled in his absence. It's not like they stepped; they had guys step in and and play up to that standard. So, like that trade, more even more than the draft picks, is is what people are really hinging on. All right, I'm going to beat my partner to this question because I know he wants to ask it, and I want the answer too. So I'm going to ask it myself. Why Andy Dalton all these weeks? We all thought Jameis was going to be their starter when the season started, and Jameis wasn't great, but he wasn't awful. And Andy Dalton has been okay, nothing special, but yet it's Andy Dalton every single week, and it's never Jameis Winston. What happened? And then the second half of the question is, okay, so you're telling us down the road they could actually be back. Who the hell is the Saints quarterback of the future? That is a very good question. Um, Now, if you ask me, I would have Jameis Winston as my starting quarterback. I think mm. if you ask Sean Payton, he would have Jameis Winston as his short, starting quarterback. But if you ask Dennis Allen, he will give you a different answer. And I think there is a pretty clear reasoning for that is that Dennis Allen is a defensive head coach and he wants the offense to be at a baseline. He is more worried about the floor than the ceiling because he knows that this team, if it's good, will be carried by the defense anyway. And so... And, you know, and to be fair to Andy Dalton, he has played very well. You know, I, like I was very critical of Andy Dalton's ceiling going into the season because the 35-year-old who's been kind of just walked off of two different teams is not a guy who I would trust. But he has been very, very efficient and very solid. And he's also worked well with the Taysom Hill kind of dynamic, which I don't think would work for every quarterback. Like you need to be willing to give up. 10 to 12 snaps a game and have to come off the field and come back on and it messes with your momentum and your, and your kind of rhythm in the game. And um, he's done that well. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I don't know if you would be better with Jameis Winston in there. Cause I don't think the issues you've dealt with are, are at the quarterback position. Like, I don't think the reason you're losing games is because of the quarterback position, but I, from an outside perspective, it does look weird. Um, and from an inside perspective, it looks weird. Cause I don't, again, you're, you're right. They don't have a quarterback of the future. They don't have a young quarterback. Like I was saying the other day, it, when you get to week 18, the Saints could be the team that actually gets to decide who wins the NFC South. Not unlike the Eagles were a couple of years ago when they played Washington. And, uh, you know, I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my giant shirts today, by the way. I, I grew up uh, up there. And I was, I was upset at the Eagles that year because yeah, it, I thought yeah. they could have won that game. They sure looked like the better team. And then they, they, uh, they, they didn't tank, but they definitely tanked the second half of that game. And the Washington just cakewalked into the playoffs. Yeah. And that could be the Saints. If, if we get into week 18 
and the Panthers come to town w- with a chance to win the division, the Saints could be the team because the Bucs would need the Saints to win to get in, and the, and the Saints could be like, well, but they don't have a young quarterback they can even put in. You're not going to put yeah. James Winston in. So, I don't know. It's a really weird situation, uh, and I honestly have no idea. You know, the guy they're going to face, if, if they face Gardner Minshew, that might be an audition for him because I could yeah. see them going after yeah. him in free agency. And by or, the way, I don't know Jack. If he's under contract, trade for him, whatever. Um, like, no, he's free. All yeah. the cards are on the table, I think, going into this offseason at quarterback. By the to add to your pain, Jeff, Doug Peterson was just at his press conference this week saying every game matters. Every game. He always played a win. Played a win. And played a win. Except for that one. Um, but I do want to talk to you about Dallas Dennis Allen. Is that a philosophy you could win with in the modern NFL? Because I that's was my thought process from the outside looking in. He's a defensive guy. He wants a pace line. He wants no mistakes on offense. He wants to win games that way. We follow here a 13-2 and two team that is the number two ranked defense in the NFL, the number one ranked pass defense, and they just got scorched for thir- uh, 40 by Dallas. My point being, good offense beats good defense in the modern NFL. It used to be good defense beats good offense. Every defense San Francisco would be the closest, but they had they gave up 40-plus points to Kansas City. Every defense gets beaten at some point because everything's skewed towards the offense. Is that philosophy just a losing philosophy in the modern NFL? Well, I mean, it it is – it's a losing philosophy regardless if you don't have a quarterback you trust. And I think that it's not a question of whether the Saints would rather have a super efficient, high performing offense or not. It's a question of whether Dennis Allen trusted James Winston to lead it. Because it's not like you have a choice of Jalen Hurts or Andy Dalton, right? You have a choice of James Winston or Andy Dalton. And if you're Sean Payton and you are very confident in your ability to lead a quarterback and kind of mold James Winston what you want him to be, then yeah, I agree with you completely. If you're Dennis Allen, I think you're looking at it like, I don't have time to babysit Jameis Winston and make sure he's making good decisions. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not dealing with that week to week, but I do trust Andy. Then I, I think that for this team, it makes sense. But, no, I agree with you. You want, you want a quarterback. Any team that doesn't have the quarterback and they're looking at it and saying, this is the guy we think we can win a Super Bowl with, they are the curve and, they're, and you're behind it. Right, there are haves and have-nots at the quarterback position. Until you are on the right side of it, you are not winning a Super Bowl. You might contend for the playoffs, and that's what the Saints are trying to do right now in a really, really, really bad division. But you know, they're not Super Bowl contenders, and they won't be until they get the quarterback in there. So, you're right, and you're right at the same time. Well, don't sweat it because uh, the <laughs> Saints can draft that quarterback in the first round. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Jeff, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board with us today. Uh, thank you much and enjoy the game on Sunday. Oh, and he froze up on us just as we were finishing the uh, spot. That's Jeff Noack from uh, WWL. There we go. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Jeff, thank you very much. Appreciate so, it. Uh, enjoy the game Sunday. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Jeff Noack, uh, Pulitzer adjacent. Uh, from WWL.com. I love that line, Pulitzer yeah. adjacent. All right, uh, I'm uh, Birds365 adjacent. I got to jump out a little early again. Today, Johnny Mac, uh, we'll uh, wrap things up with you with Tone uh, on the backside. Are you uh, 
Nick Sirianni adjacent. Uh, uh, Nick Sirianni adjacent tomorrow. So hour two, I will uh, probably be out early. So you get a little Barrett Brooks or Tone DeShields, I would assume. Sounds good. Um, we will figure that out uh, by tomorrow. Uh, Johnny Mac coming back. He and Tone will wrap up Birds 365. Stay here. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Welcome back to Birds 365. I'm your guy, Tony. This is the second filling in for Jody Mack, and I'm here with the guy, John McMullen. John, how are you feeling so far, my man? Great show thus far. <clears throat> I'm I'm trying to get to that finish line. Uh, voice is <laughs> the going finish line doesn't exist. Yeah, man. Never exists. Uh, doing well, though. 
Good to see you, Tom. Good, good. Now, you know, you've been covering this game for a long time. And yeah, I have to ask you, you know, through your travels, you, you've been covering the game for 20 plus years, correct? Uh, yeah. I uh, don't like to think about it, but yeah. <laughs> well, I might, I might need you to dig deep into the memory bank today. Uh, I have a question for you. What's maybe your most memorable moment or what was your welcome to the, welcome to the journalism circuit, welcome to the NFL moment? What was that defining moment for you in your career that you can do? That that rings true or that, or that rings to memory. What 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 do you mean by defining moment? You mean uh, all right. The, uh, the, uh, let's put it this way. Uh, what was what was that moment covering the game that you said to yourself, "Wow, I'm 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 really doing this." Wow. Ah, that's a good question. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, I, I, you know, you do, I will say it's exciting at first, you know, I think we all grew up as, as sports fans. Um, and, um, when you first get a job covering the NFL, you, you are like, Oh, wow. And then it quickly dissipates to, <laughs> uh, you know, the grind of the, it did, this sport is a grind for the players and, and, and the people that cover it. I think, you know, you get to the off season. I always say, you know, I've been married for a long time now and my wife's like, Oh, the season's over. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do that? And I'm like, I, I got to work. I got, there's in a lot of ways, the off season is busier. Um, than the than the regular season, I think a lot of people don't realize that. But um, so it's a grind, and it turns into a, a job pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, every once in a while, you're, you're sitting there in a big game, a big moment. Um, you know the I was the new the Malcolm Butler play, New England um, Seattle Super Bowl. Um, that was my biggest moment covering football you're like that, that that's that you know that's going to be historic forever um that play that game and then he talked about the eagles super bowl there were so many moments in the eagles super bowl the right. the philly special um the strip sack zach hurts fourth and one um, i'll never forget that because i asked frank reich about that play after the game because everybody was talking about the philly special and 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 you know, Brandon and, and even Zach Ertz's touchdown. And, and to me, the biggest play of the game was fourth and one um, to Zach Ertz and Nick Foles kind of shuffling, extending a little bit. And and it was interesting to me. Frank agreed. And he said, you know, that's when he told me Doug is a – Frank doesn't curse, but he's talking about Doug Peterson. He was like, Doug is a flipping superstar uh, <laughs> because there's not a lot of guys. He understood the situation – he understood the type of game it was. He understood it was a shootout. And if they give the ball up there, New England's going to probably go down and score. You got to be realistic. So they how, needed to how, convert. How difficult is it to have the pulse of a game? Like, like to be that in tune with the complexion of a game. You talk about it all the time. T- uh, g- games take on an identity or, or a complexion, right? Uh, how difficult is it as a head coach? to be that in tune, to be that in the moment, to see where a game is trending to? 
It's really difficult. All games have personalities. That's what Jim Schwartz would say. And, you know, he was a part of that game as well. And every game is, it has a different personality. And a lot of fans don't realize that. They say, you know, it's just going to be that way. And they sort of have this, um, you know, whether it's a snowball effect running downhill, it's going to go a certain way and you better adapt uh, pretty quickly. You know, there's a famous Michael Vick play. I was talking earlier um, uh, about being on the sidelines of an NFL game and people don't realize the, the chaos um, of, of, of a game. Uh, and that was the overtime game when he was at the Atlanta and he had the, whatever it was, a 53-yard touchdown run. It, it's one of the most famous, uh, certainly quarterback runs in NFL history. People can look it up on YouTube. That was back when they let us on the field. I was on the field. I saw Michael Vick coming around the corner as fast as Michael Vick was on the field. And you just don't appreciate it until it's very similar to, you know, being courtside in an NBA game when, you know, Jason Kelsey was talking about that on his podcast. He was like, wow, you know, seeing certain guys and how athletic they are. Um that was the same thing for me with Michael Vick, watching him win that game with a walk-off, whatever it was, 53-yard run. Um, and there must have been eight guys who had a shot at him. Uh, and they're just all diving at his feet. Um, it's pretty amazing. So it's always those moments. Do you see some do you see similarities in this coaching staff? And and what I mean is, you know. That previous coaching staff, they they were so good at understanding the moment. They were they were so keen to uh, understanding the personality the personality of games as as they were progressing. Uh, has this coaching staff with Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, uh, Jonathan Gannon, and Brian Johnson, and those guys, Jeff Stoutland, have they shown an ability to truly understand the complexion or the personality of a game? Uh, in your in your opinion, have they shown you enough to think that they can? take this team to the promised land in the playoffs? Well, that's kind of, you know, they certainly have in the regular season, but the playoffs is different. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And they've had one opportunity and they didn't play well in Tampa. Uh, But, you know, Tampa had a better team and Tampa was significantly favored and, and kind of went the way everybody expected. Um, It wasn't good from the Eagles perspective, but now it'll be different this year. Uh, the Eagles will be the favorites. They'll be the one uh, with the better roster. They'll be the team expected to win and we'll see how they handle it. Um, I know there's enough veteran players on this team uh, that were on the previous uh, super, not a lot, but you know, the Kelsey's of the world, uh, the Lane Johnson's of the world. There's enough to, to, Brandon Graham, the Fletcher Cox is to, to, to put you in a position where guys understand what it takes to win and impart that to the rest of the team. Um, and the coaching staff has been very good. I mean, I don't see why that changes in the postseason. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely a, a different animal, but they'll be prepared. I mean, Mike Gill, we had on brought up a good point. You know, and I get it. That's what people see. People see the game. But the preparation leading up to the game is so important for the coaching staff. That's where most of their work 
comes in and and that's what this step is is really good at is the prep part of things do you think the preparation from that previous playoff push uh, where they faced off against Tampa do you think the preparation um from that um short-lived run um translates to this year um do you think they carry that experience from last year over to this year do you, um and and if and if so you know what do you think those guys have learned since then well, I think, you know, um, I think that was about Howie more learning that, all right, we just don't have enough difference makers. And that's what led to the A.J. Browns of the world and the Hassan Reddicks of the world. Um, and you think about that's his marquee acquisition on offense, his marquee acquisition on defense. And, you know, one guy's going to break the most likely break the single season receiving record for the Eagles. The other guys got 14 sacks, um, you know, leads the NFL and force fumbles. Um, they have difference makers. The one thing you said about that Tampa game as well, they just don't have the difference makers that Tampa does. It's, it's done a 180. If those teams were to face each other again today, you'd say Tampa doesn't have enough difference makers to deal with the Eagles. Um, a lot of it's personnel driven. In this case, it's personnel driven. The Eagles have added just a lot of good players. So I I don't that's a game you kind of want to flush to use a Jalen terminology. I don't I don't want him to remember what much from that game. That's one you flush and say, all right, they just weren't ready. They didn't have those difference makers. Jalen Hurts was injured. I think people forget that. Um really dealing with that ankle injury that he ultimately had surgery on. Um, you know, they didn't have AJ Brown. They didn't have Hassan Reddick. They didn't have James Bradbury. Um, Devontae Smith was a rookie. Now you have a much more um, um, savvy uh, understanding. It, it, it has experience under his belt. So many things have changed. Um, but that was not a good game. I would flush it. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, not much you can really take away from that. Right. <laughs> so, um, John, as always, you do a hell of a job for Jacob. You do a hell of a job for Sports Illustrated, man. And uh, trust me, uh, your work is always appreciated. Uh, always appreciate your flexibility and your adaptability on the fly. Also, shout out to our guy, Jordy Mack, who's doing his thing as well, as always. Next up, we have the football playbook with the man, the myth, Rick Saratella. Make sure you guys buckle up. You know his infamous slogan. Uh, you guys are locked in on. Birds 365. Make sure you smash that like button. Make sure you guys continue to stay engaged. He's John McMullen. I'm Tony DeShields the second filling in for Jody Mac. Take care, you guys, and we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.